0: This episode is brought to you by Bear Mattress. I'm gonna head over to BearMattress.com and I'm gonna read a little something off their site. What makes Bear Mattress unique? The Bear Mattress is is designed for athletes and people living a healthy, active lifestyle. It has been engineered with four layers of advanced, premium foams and uses clinically proven, silient, responsive textile technology in the mattress cover. We worked with experts around the world to design a mattress that is universally comfortable, sleeps cool. Helps you recover faster and increases your energy. Um, yeah, so that's what they say. That's what's on their site. They sent me a king-size mattress. And this is the nicest mattress I've ever owned. Um, my lady has a nice mattress as well. But the bear mattress is the first one that I've ever had. And I've been sleeping on this thing and it's amazing. I actually kind of miss it sometimes. I want to go, like, I slept in Puerto... Like I was talking before when I went to Puerto Rico. And, uh... I was sleeping on, like, a pull-out couch type thing. I was in Puerto Rico. I'm not complaining. But I was on a pull-out couch, and I was like, God, I wish I was home. <laughs> it's the Bear Mattress pulling me back, bro. Uh, but, no, yeah, check them out, bearmattress.com. If it's time for a mattress, man, and you want one, like I like I say throughout this whole podcast, as you'll hear, energy comes from rest, man. And if you want a mattress that's going to help you rest and recover, this is the one. Um, check out bearmattress.com. And if you use the promo code SKATE50 when you check out, you'll get $50 off. And I just want to thank Bear Mattress for supporting the show. It means a lot. Also, this show is brought to you by World Industries. Uh, If you're into skateboarding, if you're into art, um, tattoos, uh, animation, uh, if you're into fun, awesome shit, check out worldindustries.com and we have we have like they just updated the store with the I think it's like 15 like classic world industry stickers like I gotta ask for some uh I gotta have them send me some because I really want to stick them all over the place and uh it's cool to see how many people like world industries uh and how, how many people support it and people that have tattoos and that have done art and uh graffiti and just drawn the characters and All the history with skateboarding, the skateboard team, the legacy. Uh, World Industries is a one of kind brand, man. And they support the show, and they support me. They also have... uh, I have my second pro model shoe, the Shatler shoe. It's available exclusively on their website at worldindustries.com. And, yeah. So, yeah, check them out. They're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at World Industries. And... As always, each episode is brought to you by All I Need Skateboarding. Uh, In the Trenches is out right now, our second full-length video. You can check that at allineedskate.com. It's on YouTube. If you type in All I Need In the Trenches, it'll pop right up. Uh, This is a full team video. Dan McGrath always kills it, man. I'm super hyped to be a part of this one. It's our second one, and it just felt right. And uh, It came together awesome, and I'm hyped that I'm in this video with all my friends. And it's really cool, man. I hope you guys check it out. And if you do, if you like it, please share it, spread it. That that would help out a million times. Um, so, yeah. What else? We got the coach jacket just dropped online. In the trenches, coat jacket. It's got a hit on the left chest on the front, and then a full print on the back. It's a really nice coach coach jacket that I found. That I was like, damn, this thing goes. Like, we gotta print this up. So. That's available also on the website, allineedskate.com. If there's any shops out there that want to cop the boards, um, you can get them through Eastern Skate Supply, or you can hit me up direct. Uh, If you want the apparel, same thing. Just hit me up uh, direct, and uh, we can make it happen, man. Thank you guys for supporting skateboarding through having a skate shop and dedicating your time and efforts into running and maintaining a place that supports skateboarding. It's fucking sick, man. Uh, This episode today is just, I'm calling it self-reflection. Kind of been through a crazy fucking life, if I'm going to be honest with you. I think we all go through like crazy rides, like this whole thing's a fucking wild ride at times. And if you're here long enough, things happen and you got to go through it, you know. And life's not always the easiest. And I think it's important that we narrate our own stories. We understand how we feel. And we can express ourselves. I think it's cool, man, to hear someone's first-hand experience of their ride. And um, I think it's cool to show it, too. I don't know. So this one's just the self-reflection podcast. It's inspired by Greg Carroll, the episode before, man. I just, like, he made me realize that, you know, there's a lot of people out there with crazy rides. And, you know, we have these outlets to talk and share and inspire and help and that if that these these platforms like podcasts and vlogs and stuff that they're powerful if we put our lives into them you know if we give them meaning these platforms can be very powerful you know and uh, or just like anything humor funny like we can help people we can share things human qualities that's the most valuable thing you know i wish i could pick those up instead of pennies just pick up like people's good qualities like that's more valuable to me sometimes like yeah I ramble for far too long guys I'm sorry and I was way too open and honest and cried a few times and but I don't know I don't know what else to do I want to keep growing and I feel like I have to feel everything really deeply and then move past it and and remember it and like I don't know I'm trying to figure this shit out and thank you for being on this ride and thank you in general keep shredding peace guys Dry, dry, dry I was like, yo, this is crazy, like I I, I, I gotta get on, I gotta get on it. I just love the skating and the scene. Rain, rain, go away. All I need is a skateboard today, today, this, this is the Shetler Show featuring professional skateboarder, podcaster, and all I need skate founder, Anthony Shetler. All right, what's up, everybody? Um, I'm going to title this episode the Self-Reflection Podcast. I just recently started um, a vlog. If you go to YouTube, I'll actually just pull it up right now. If you go to YouTube and you search, let's see what you can search, that all I need life with. Me, Anthony Shetter. It'll pop up our YouTube channel, our All I Need YouTube channel. Which is, I guess so, if you go to YouTube and you find All I Need, that's the YouTube channel, the name. And uh, there's playlists on there. So we have a playlist for the New England AM. So every year we do that contest. There's a playlist in there with those videos. There's a playlist for this podcast on YouTube. And now there's That All I Need Life vlog with Anthony Shetler. And also there's one on there with uh, That All I I Need Life with Evan Mansolilo, another rider for All I Need. And a couple of the other riders are going to start vlogging as well. Uh, I've made it my mission to put out one episode a week on YouTube. Uh, I have two episodes out right now. Well, technically three. The first episode I have is my trip to Puerto Rico which was amazing my homie Conrad who's a sales rep for All I Need he invited me along on a surfing trip cause he's also a sales rep for Hyperflex and he's a team manager too I believe and he organized this trip with all these pro surfers to Puerto Rico and uh, I gotta lurk along as a poser <laughs> cause I don't really surf I've surfed you know a handful of times it was so fun but I'm a beginner if even that you know what I mean and uh, he invited me along just because he knew there were skate shops out in Puerto Rico and skate parks. And he knew how beautiful it was. And he knew I could meet some owners of skate shops out there in hopes that maybe they'll carry some of the boards. And uh, if we could get boards moving, maybe we could make it like an annual thing. All I need goes to Puerto Rico and skate all the parks and hit up some street spots and just like make connections and friends. So I went, man, and it was amazing. It was it was unbelievable. Like, those guys go to so many fucking beaches like beautiful beautiful beaches man i went to like felt like 25 different beaches with no agenda i didn't have any work my internet didn't really work so i couldn't do work anyways and uh i just sat there and filmed and edited edited is that how you say that i edited whatever you know what i'm trying to say on my on my phone i just filmed every day everything i was doing And uh, it was so cool, man. It's amazing to see people surf, how good they were. They were pro surfers. They had a Flow Trash rider with them, too, which they called Grom. That was, like, the version of Flow Trash. Uh, Oh, you guys met Lucas. Lucas was awesome. He was on that trip. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, like, needed that. It was, like, unbelievable. Just seeing all those beaches and the water so, like, Amazing, it's it's humbling, like I don't know, I'm scared of the ocean in a good way. But so I did that. I don't know. I'm sorry if I ramble, man. But uh this one's a self-reflection, so we're gonna go deep today. Yeah, and then so from that trip I met Ben Gravy. Ben Gravy's a pro surfer who loves surfing. And uh he has a vlog and it's the Ben Gravy vlog. It's on the Nub Nub TV channel on YouTube. And I was just watching these guys do their vlogs. A couple of them were this other kid, Musty. His name is Jack, I believe. And uh, they're all vlogging. It was so cool, man, just capturing the trip, you know. So I just joined in. I was like, this looks fun. I, I know how to do this on my phone. I noticed they all had cameras and stuff. And, you know, they had good stuff, GoPros and stuff, which I want to get a GoPro as well. I had one, but the... The lens got scratched, so I gotta invest in another one. But I was just watching them. They're like master vlogs. These guys make money off of YouTube and vlogging apparently. Which is cool, man, because then they get to live their lifestyle and uh, enjoy their life and <coughs> excuse me. And uh, create constantly. So I was like watching them and I was like, I wonder if I could do this all on my phone. And I was kinda asking myself, I'm like, why don't they just do this all on their phone? And uh, so I just tried that whole Puerto Rico trip. I was like, I'm going to do this on my phone. Edit, film, and uh, even upload it to YouTube on my phone. And I I did it. It worked. I was like, oh, surprisingly, not that hard. The only problem I was going to run into really was storage space on my phone. But last time I had to buy a new phone, uh, I just got a big one because I was sick of dealing with that. And I figured it's a good investment, you know. So I vlogged that whole trip. I made, I made, uh, I filmed all day every day, and at the end of the nights, I would just edit it, so I could clean off my phone and get it all organized, and not get too buried with footage, and I put like the eight days, the eight days of um, edits, basically, I just lumped them into one thing, and it fit naturally, and it was so much fun, I enjoyed it so much, so I've decided I'm gonna do it once a week, I'm gonna create a vlog, That All I Need Life, with Anthony Shedler and, uh, Man, I put out two episodes now and it's really been trying me. A true test of like commitment and and my character. And this last few days have been fucking really, really rough, man. Some of the hardest ones. I I dealt with loss like with my father when I was 13. I was a little kid, you know. And we didn't see him. He he passed away and they didn't have like a funeral with the casket open or anything. We went and there was some, um, his ashes were in like a urn and they had photos and we went into this funeral home and there were a bunch of people there. Some I knew, a lot I didn't know, but they're there for my father and I don't know. It was really hard. Hu- I was, it was fucking really hard because I lost the, the, my, my father. He was taking care of us at that time. I wasn't living with my mother, my dad always like, he lived a crazy life, he was in a motorcycle gang, um, and him and my mom, my mom's a bit of a wild child as well, and uh, they never got along, my whole life, my parents, I can't even remember them ever being together, you know, like I can't, right now, even back in the day, I couldn't like, Even picture a day where I was with my mom and dad and they were happy together. I don't have that memory. I've never had that. But. So my. I'm sorry if this is like I'm jumping all over the place. This is going to be very all over the map. But I think it's healthy for me to talk about this and kind of piece it together. So I'll start at the beginning. My first memories as a little kid was like just violence my mom and dad fighting hitting each other and like the cops and not knowing where we're gonna live like having to rush out of homes like because shit's going down and we got to fucking get out of town like at that moment and just leaving i i've left the state that i was living in as a little kid multiple times just spur of the moment like we're moving to fucking arizona and california florida and then back to massachusetts new york new hampshire I went all over as a child, you know, like back and forth. And um, But yeah, my parents, they never got along, man. And My mom, as far as long as I can remember, she had always done drugs, gnarly drugs. I'm not like, I smoke weed and drink coffee. Caffeine's a drug, sugar's a drug, all of it's drug. But my mom, like, she didn't know what drugs were good for her. And she had no moderation and no balance. And so she always, I just remember her always getting fucked up like especially when things would go bad that's when she'd fall apart and get the most fucked up so my dad knew this my dad had his demons too i'm sure i was a little kid you know so i didn't he didn't really show it to me which is what i always like credited my dad i was like you know what like he was in a motorcycle gang he's with my mom who's running wild and showing me all this ugliness so i knew my dad had shit going on for sure but to his credit he never he never sh- had it around me like, I seen them get in fights and hit each other. But, like, when I lived with just my dad, because at a y- young age, my dad kidnapped me and my sister and my brother. My sister Leah and my and my brother Sammy. We were living with my mom in Massachusetts. And, you know, the courts always gave us to my mom. Because it's not... it's it's my dad was in a motorcycle gang so it's easier to go he's in a motorcycle gang and my dad would say she's on drugs and it's easier to prove that he's in a motorcycle gang so we ended up with my mom and my mom i love her i'm not trying to bash her at all like i love my mom i've always loved my mom um but she just did gnarly drugs man and was lost and she never like when we lived with her literally was. I had to live in the streets with my mom, and we've lived in projects. Like we lived in other people's houses that were just took my mom in and us, because she's a lady with kids, you know. I have five. I have five siblings: Patty, Heidi, Leah, Sammy. Um, who am I missing here? Sorry. Patty, Heidi, Leah, Sammy, myself. I'm sorry. I have four siblings. I'm the fifth child. My mom had five kids with three different men. All while doing drugs and running wild So I'm living with my mom and shit's going crazy You know like every day is just some fucking crazy shit That's unnecessary and I'm trying to go to school or just live a little kid life You know like at 13 I'm trying to like Just not be crying Not have to worry Worry is a huge thing in my life My whole life has been about worry And uh Like worrying about safety Shelter And worrying about other people I always knew, like, I could take care of myself, you know, like, it's been, like, a big thing in my life was, like, take care of my own needs, so I wasn't a burden on anyone. Because what, what I could tell from the adults and the people around me, they, like, they couldn't figure it out. And they didn't take care of themselves. They Didn't have, like, self-esteem. They, like, bad things happened to them, and they never got over it, and drugs and alcohol, and it it just carried over in generations you know i've been saying this all the time recently is like we can't make the same mistakes of the past the generation before us we have to we have to correct them and move forward and not repeat the same shit it goes from generation to generation so i live with my mom and it's crazy and my father knew this so he he literally came to our school one time when we were real little and he he picked us all up, and he was dressed up him and like this a couple other guys we call them uncles, but they were like in the motorcycle gang there was like our uncle Jimmy and our uncle you know Danny, and they came and they came dressed up as if they were like they were in suits and shit, like they were cops, you know like but not like police uniforms, but like dressed up like they were like legit cops, not police officers, and uh came to my school. And I don't know how they talked him into releasing us from the school. And uh, he took us from Massachusetts clear across the country to Arizona. And he did this because he knew my mom was fucking wild. He knew, like, the shit we were living in and we were experiencing. And uh, I moved to Arizona at a real young age. I was, like, eight, nine, maybe. It's hard to remember the shit because... I don't know, when you deal with trauma at a young age, again and again and again, it's hard to hold on to memories and timelines, and it's hard to be in the moment and be there the whole fucking time. I was telling telling my fiancé, the other day I was like, I used to just want to sleep all the time, because reality was far scarier than fucking my dreams, you know? So I was depressed and I just wanted to sleep, because at least if you're sleeping, it's like nothing's going to happen, you're just sleeping. It's like when I was awake, shit was just falling apart. So I ended up living, me and my brother and my sister Leah, my brother Sam. We ended up living in Arizona. We were living in the Phoenix area. And uh, it was like some of the best times of my life. It was with my dad. He was watching us. And like, he wasn't really in the motorcycle gang at this point. He was still in it, but he wasn't living the lifestyle. He He took us. And he kidnapped us. So I guess that's kind of living it. But he kidnapped us with his friends from school. Took us to Arizona. And then he got a, a motel or like a hotel. I don't know what it is. But it was in Arizona. It was like basically a hotel. But he um, he just did all the landscaping there. And like maintenance work. And covered our bills. And we just lived in this like motel. And it was cool, man. I remember eating like he would buy steaks and potato. That would be, like, one of our meals. And uh, he would take us. He got us bicycles. We were riding around on bikes, which was sick. There was, like, a big church right there. We'd take the bikes and go ride. And it was crazy because, like, my brother's younger than me. So he's a happy little kid, you know. My sister Leah, she's a year older than me. And uh, at this time, she's a happy little kid, you know. Like, I saw... The innocence she was just like happy in a church group you know we weren't religious my dad was putting us in church but we didn't even have an. we didn't even have an idea of like being religious you know we were just like oh people you know i just remember seeing my sister leah so beautiful and just like happy you know and uh we lived in arizona for years man uh like i said it was he, he you know he might have been in a motorcycle gang But, like, he didn't bring that shit around us, you know? I knew all his friends, and I knew they were all in a gang. They all had tattoos and, like, wore vests and shit. Like, they were all very respectful, and they were helping us out. Like, there was times, even with my father, when shit got rough, when there was no money, and we didn't have somewhere to live, but he always had someone, like, a friend that we could go stay with, and it was calm and peaceful, and I felt safe, you know? And then, uh, he actually had me boxing, too, and doing a little bit of martial arts, just like self-defense and just something he put me in in boxing, and I loved it it wrapped my hands up, and that was always cool and uh me and my brother and sister were getting the ring and box each other. He managed uh a boxing ring one time, like a boxing club for a while. I remember going there a bunch, and uh I'm doing all this, and then we get a phone call one day and it's like, or no, I'm sorry i'm I'm skipping ahead. What happened was my dad, he told me, he told the three of us, he said, look, I got to go to Massachusetts and you're going to have to stay with my friend in California because we're living in Arizona. He's so got to stay in California for like a week or so to live with my friend just like while I go for a funeral. I get, apparently I didn't know all this until later, but like apparently my dad went to a funeral for someone in the motorcycle gang. So he flew out to Boston and, uh, you know, we stayed with his friend. And they watched us. And then, I guess there was a call. And they said, your father's been killed. So, or shot. Or, your father's your father's hurt. And so, we had to go live with our mom. I don't know how long it took for this to happen. I don't remember at all. But I just know that we're freaking out, you know. Like the Finding Dory moment where you're in the fucking whole ocean. And it's nothing but silence. And you don't know. There's no answers. And you don't know what's going on. And you're just stuck in that fucking moment. I've been there a lot. In my life. And I'm sorry if this is. Too much for you guys listening. If I'm sharing too much. I do that a lot in my life too. But. It's therapeutic. I gotta talk shit out. Language. Words. I was talking to my fiance today about words. And how people use words. And they don't even mean what they say, you know. Or if you talk to someone. And they, they just say yes, yes, yes. But they don't actually hear your words, you know. It's tough, man. I've been there. I've been on both ends of that. Where I didn't listen... And I said shit I didn't mean. Words are fucked. They can be. So. My father shot. We got to move back to Massachusetts. And to live with my mom. So apparently. I don't know how that lined up. But I guess my dad kidnapped us. He got shot. Was in the hospital. He must have told him where we were. I'm piecing this all together now. It's fucked up this day. And. uh The courts or whatever. Sent me back to my mom. So we had to fly from. California. To Massachusetts man. And I remember getting there. Can't quite remember where we were living at that time. Or where my mom was living. But I just remember like getting back and having to go to the hospital to see my dad who got shot in the back of the neck while he was on a motorcycle. They were all driving to the funeral on motorcycles. And apparently what happened was a car pulled up while they were all in like a flock on their motorcycles driving to this funeral and a car pulled up and someone pulled a gun out of the side of the window and was shooting at him. And uh what happened was my father got hit in the back of the neck, shot in the back of the neck. And then I guess they ran over another dude, like that was on a motorcycle. And uh my dad was in the hospital, so we, we go to visit him. Sorry, let me take I'm gonna take a sip. Coffee. So we go to see him and I remember that was really hard. Cause like my dad was in the he was really in the act activities, you know. He took us hiking in Arizona. I remember going to a place called uh I want to say lookout point, um, but you just hike trails. It was so cool, man. As a little kid, to like be around the desert and like flipping rocks, finding scorpions, and like seeing lizards and shit, cactuses, and just like the desert's a trip too when you're out there, man. It feels like out of space, and it's kind of scary. But as a kid, it's exciting. You're like riding around, and just. But my dad was super active, so it was. And he was into martial arts and boxing and he did landscaping. And, uh, I just remember going to the hospital and like seeing my dad and he was paralyzed from the neck down. And they're saying like, he's not, he can never walk again. So I, so I go in and it's like, he can't even lift his hands to hug me. You know what I mean? Which is like, that makes me cry. That made me cry like harder than anything, you know? And they say they never could walk again either. But I just remember that shit fucking suck. And uh my sister Leah fell apart. You know? Because we had been with my mom and had all this uncertainty and drama and violence. And didn't have... To have your dad, like, the safety net, you know. He took us for years and, like, helped us. Kind of got us back to normal. And, uh. Yeah. So, I'm in the hospital. All three of us. My mom, too. And it was crazy because I remember thinking, like. She just hated him. She was like demented in the head. She would just talk about how horrible my dad was. You know? Like with the ugliest words. Just because she was hurt, you know? Like bad things happened to her. They were clearly in love at one point. They had three kids together. And uh, sometimes that goes wrong. And there's like those deep emotions turn into Deeper emotions, but not with like love, but with like anger and hate, resentment. And I, but I remember seeing my mom, and she was like so distraught because my dad was paralyzed and they hated each other. He fucking kidnapped us from her, but she was like falling apart too. Because, like, it's a reality, you know? Like, you think you hate someone, you know? I'm sorry. I'm going to try and get through this. Shit's embarrassing, too. I, I, don't, I don't know if it is or not, but I'm proud of my life. I'm proud of everything that's happened. But, like, I've cried more than I've liked to in my life. And uh so I don't know. Shit fucked me up. Just seeing my mom like. Just so resentful and hateful. And then switch it you know. When something really crazy happens. When earth shattering reality happens. When someone is paralyzed for life. And shot. All that feeling of resentment. I can't. Like, I can't. And uh, yeah. So that happened. And then uh the, The next thing was, uh, I remember living in the projects. Well, there's a lot. I lived in a lot of places. I lived in Trailer Park in New Hampshire. That was pretty wild. That's where I found skateboarding. That's where I met my homie Dale. What up, Dale? Dale seen me cry. And, uh, he got me my first board. That's, that's where I was. Because that's when my father, like, he didn't last long. My dad, he didn't last long, and then he passed away. Um, they tried to move him to a better hospital. I think that's what it was. Or, And uh, he didn't make the flight. They tried to fly him to another hospital. And uh, we got to see him a couple times in the hospital. It was a couple weeks, I know that. Like, I went a bunch to the hospital to see my dad. And it was cool because, like, the first visit, he was, like, couldn't say anything, you know. And then, like, get more into it, he was like, not, you know, he he would just cry. That's what I remember. He would cry. Because I imagine, like, for me, it was rough. I couldn't see him lift his arm. But then it's probably rough for him to see his kids. To know his kids can see him where he can't lift his arms to hug him. Like, so I remember at first he would just cry. And then, like, after a couple weeks of going, I seen his mood alter, you know, he wasn't as sad, he wouldn't cry as much, and uh, I think they even had it so he could sit up. It was crazy too, cause like, my dad always had a beard. He was always in shape, lifting weights, and like, always had like, (laughs) I was like my Hulk Hogan, you know. But like with skills. I don't know if he'll cope. Maybe I guess he does. He wrestles. But like. So like. But it was weird. Because his body like. From sitting and stuff. And not moving. His body got real skinny. Muscle mass. He must have lost a lot of muscle mass. You know. He had a hole in his neck. But I remember he shaved his beard. Sorry. I know I do that on the podcast. I know I know. <laughs> All the people I interview. I know I like. Interrupt sometimes. Or. uh I derail their line of subject. It's not it's just my thoughts are so sporadic. I've been working on it though, I feel like I'm getting better. I try to listen more. But I still want to be part of the conversation, you know? Like it's hard because I record a lot of these through um FaceTime. And uh sometimes the internet connection's a little off, you know? But the ones in person and sometimes the internet connection works beautiful through FaceTime. Those ones are like, you really connect and it's, I don't feel like, uh, I'm ruining the conversation, but kind of lost my train of thought there, but I appreciate you guys listening. Even like, I can't believe this whole experiment with this podcast. It's been unbelievable for me. I'm so grateful. But yeah, so my dad always had a beard. That's what it was. And, uh, he shaved it. They shaved it every day, you know? So he was like getting skinnier. And he had this beard. It was just weird to see my dad, like, weak. I'd never seen that before. He was always my dad, my father. <laughs> I say, I'm saying dad now. It was funny. I had a moment with him. We all did, all three, me, Leah, and Sammy, where we asked him if he wanted to be called dad or father. And he said father because it sounded more respectful. That was his reasoning. And, uh, yeah. He wasn't, sh- like, he was strict, but not really, you know? Like, he just, he was just. He was a good father. He made sure we didn't fuck off, you know? Like, we're little devil children. With the freedom of living with my mom and the projects and crazy places and uncertainty, you have these crazy unchecked emotions. So, as little kids, you're just, like, fucking bouncing off of walls. And, you our level, our depth of our emotion were so fucking wild. So, he just made sure we, like, checked that, you know? Like, he he made sure we had balance. He demanded it, which needed to be done. It was a good father. Great father. And. uh Yeah. So I moved to New Hampshire. I'm living in a trailer park. In New Hampshire. With my family. My sister Heidi and Patty. They're stepsisters. Because my mom had five kids. With three different men. But all of us were living in this trailer. The five kids of my mom. Patty I think ended up. Having to leave and go live with one of her families Because shit got so bad And one of her friends like took her in So she just stayed with like I know Heidi did that too at one point But me, Lee, and Sammy Were living in this trailer park with my mom And I met this kid Dale And he gave me my first board I didn't even know what I was doing man I was like 13 so I was a little kid But I know I was already like Fooling around with girls <laughs> I was in a trailer park Messing around with girls and, uh, then I found skateboarding, and Dale, he was, like, cool as hell. First day I met him, he was just, like, dude, try." Sk-. he was doing skating, and I was so, like, what is this? I didn't even know you could do tricks. I didn't even have a clue that you could do an ollie. I just thought you rode on your ass and, like, whatever, tried to stand on a balance, you know? And he's doing, like, I think he was doing a kickflip. I was thinking Mark Johnson because he was telling like Cliff, cough you do a kickflip." Shit, like at that moment, you know what I mean? Like in Modus Operandi, it was like that. Like it blew my fucking mind when I was like, "Holy shit!" Like you, it's not just that like, you can do shit; you can flip and manipulate this thing and like create something, you know? And like from that second on, he, he was like my best friend. I think because he saw that and he knew how fun skating was, and knew and uh, he made, he got me aboard. He asked me to sleep over at his house that night, the first day I met him. I was like, yeah, hell yeah. His house was like his family's house. We are little kids, you know. And uh, his poor mom. They <laughs> like brought home like street trash. <laughs> I mean, they had their issues too, you know. They they went through a lot of struggles and shit, you know. But I for sure was a dirty ass kid. I fucking always off of welfare, whatever disability, whatever, you know, my mom could get. And uh, fucking clothes like fucking hanging off my body with holes and dirty. Didn't never have laundry, you know what I mean? Like, just a dirty ass kid. Literally brought me home. His poor mom probably was like, what the fuck? And uh, but they were nice to me. They took me in, they fed me, hung out with me. Dale, like, wanted to skate all the time, so that's all I wanted to do. I remember he pushed Mongo, which was so funny. And I remember trying to push Mongo because Dale was the dude I looked up to and taught me about skateboarding. And uh, he pushed Mongo. So I remember I can't keep up with my – couldn't keep the speed up with Dale. And I was like, how the fuck is this dude doing this, you know? And, uh, yeah, I just started copying him, trying to push Mongo because I was like, maybe that's why he's pushing like that so maybe he gets more speed that way or whatever, more muscle, like – It didn't work. I tried. I pushed Mongo for like, I don't know how long. Whenever we'd have a long skate, because we used to skate places, you know what I mean? We didn't drive. We were this little kid. We we just skated. Like, we skated like miles to skate more and then skate miles back. I miss that, actually. It's exhausting, though. If you're gonna try to film a clip skating everywhere and you like, if you're gonna try and like do something that's a little out of your comfort zone and gonna shock your adrenaline a little bit. You know, skate all the way there, and then try to do battle, and then skate back is, like, too much. But as a little kid, we were just skating through the cities, through the towns, and, like, trailer parts, skating everywhere. to Getting tricks, skating, like, getting tricks I just mean doing. I'm not even filming at this time. Just skating. Go to gas stations, set up DIYs, pieces of wood and shit. Like, we had little spots. More people started skating. It was crazy. It was just, like, two, three people, and then, like, six, seven people... People just started showing up skating like what the fuck they're just now that we got a spot we found like the Getty station was a spot was a gas station and uh we set up like makeshift ramps and it was just a place for people to meet up to like get into skating basically. Yeah it was awesome. That's when I really fell in love with skating. Dale had all the videos yeah, he he always had the clothes and shoes too, like he was looking through the CCS catalog. And like getting new stuff. And I get his hand-me-downs. Even his shoes, and they were way too big for me, man. Like I'm a nine now, I bet Dale's probably a twelve or eleven and a half or something. I remember skating his old Sal's. <laughs> Sal's twenty-three, the baby blues. And they were so fucking big, but I didn't give a fuck. Had like clown shoes on. I remember being embarrassed in school about the way I, the way I was like, my like appearance, like my clothes I was embarrassed about. Even like, sometimes I didn't have showers, you know, like disgusting, and, like in school. <laughs> and then my emotions, the way I acted, talked to people, cause I was fucking hurt. Just, I, I, I tried to be a burden on anyone. But there was like, other kids in there that are just fucking ruthless, you know? I I had a problem, like, with that shit, and now I had a temper, you know, so I get in fights, school was fights, and sleeping, I slept a lot, I liked school, I like learning, I love learning, that's all I try to do nowadays, I just needed like a place to rest. That's like more my life. Like I say energy comes from rest. It's because like I always had like desperation, sadness. I always felt like everything could fall apart at any moment. and it was because I think that because it was that. that's the reality. So it's not bad that I thought that because that's what was going on, and safety was not a thing, you know safety for other people that's what I really I worried a lot for other people. my sister Leah, like in the trailer park, kids get into drugs, especially when their parents are running wild. people get into sketchy shit you're hanging out with people, other kids, and other people that their parents are fucked up. So, like, the kids are kind of left to themselves and, and get into all types of shit when your emotions run are running wild, you know? And then there's other crews and cliques and bullshit and people become enemies. People become enemies in their own family. You end up fighting with your own fucking family, you know what I mean? Physically and just, like, resentment. And it, Now, imagine, like, people that aren't in your family and they have the same issues. So, like, crazy shit happened, you know? And uh, I tried to avoid all that. I was skating. I mean, I've done stupid shit in my past. I'm not going to lie. But I always was like, for whatever reason, I, I learned quick that I was like, I don't want this to go on anymore. Like, it stops with me. The one thing I have in my life that I can control is my my own actions, my own thoughts, my own feelings, how I feel about myself how I feel about other people, how I control and how I react when bad shit happens. Like, so I didn't want to be a burden. So I was like, I need to self-reflect, look at myself, try not to repeat the same patterns. It's really fucking hard though. Because when crazy shit happens, you just want to hate everything. You're like, why the fuck does this keep happening? To me. You say to me. You get demented. You start thinking to yourself. Talking to yourself. When you're really desperate. And you're really at the bottom of the fucking barrel. You talk to yourself. You t- you're you talking to God. For real. I've talked to God. When fucking things get horrible for me. I look in the fucking mirror. In my bathroom. I've done this my whole life. Crying. Just looking in the mirror. Not sure if it's helping or not. (laughs) But I just try to face reality, you know. I want to make sure that I understand who I am. How I handle shit. What I look like when shit goes down, you know. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to cause problems for other people. I don't know where that came from. Maybe just because, like, a lot of my issues were pushed on me. I I, I mean, trust me, I kept my issues around a lot longer than they needed to. I was... I was mean to myself, no self-respect, no self-esteem, because I'm looking at myself, and I just, like, am on an emotional wreck, and I'm yelling at myself, and I'm like, <sighs> yeah, so, living in New Hampshire, worrying about people, and then we moved to New Bedford, I remember that, and New Bedford was, like, crazy for me. Really fucking crazy. Because my mom was at her worst in New Bedford. My dad's dead at this point. My stepsisters are off living with other families. Me, and Sammy are living with my mom. And she's just fucking in this city. It's a whaling city. Like, Moby Dick is from the New Bedford area. Like, the whole story. Like, one of those boats in the fucking reality shows. That's out fishing. It's huge for fishing in New Bedford. And, uh, when we lived here, there's all these bars right off the where the docks are, and they're just full of people doing drugs and sketchiness and whatever and My mom was just running wild. my dad's dead, and she's not taking care of us're the projects. um She disappeared for like days on end, like I remember as a little kid having to go. 'Cause we didn't live we lived directly across the street from the projects in this your house. One eight seven Newton Street. It was like right across. You walk across the street, there it is. And I remember there's times when when uh my mom would be missing and it's like three, four in the morning and like we knew something sketchy's going on and like I had to like go across the street into the projects. In the rain, this happened more than once too. And I'm knocking on doors just saying, Have you seen my mom? You know what I mean? Like And there was other times where we had a basement as well in this in this house. And my mom had this guy, Linnell or Lionel or I don't fucking remember his name, but they would go in the basement and do drugs. And uh I remember they would do that and I would come home and I'd freak the fuck out, you know? Because I knew what they were doing. That was like the hardest part. So, One second. So I, there's this one time when. I came home from school. And I came in. And I saw the basement door shut. No one's around. And I know what the fuck's going on. So. I uh. Yelled down the stairs, and I'm like, I know I'm screaming at the top of my fucking lungs, and crying my eyes out, so I don't think they, as you can tell, you probably couldn't understand me, as I hope you, I don't know if you guys can understand me right now, I was screaming, and uh, I'm just saying, fuck you, I hate you, you can fucking, t- all, you can stay in there, both of them, my mom and this dude, and uh, I remember taking a chair, and just putting it in front of the door, And sitting there for like a few hours. And they were banging on the door. And they were just like, come on, let me out, let me out. I'm like, fuck you, man. And I I never had a chance to tell them how I felt. So like this was my shot, you know. Like they wouldn't listen to me. When they're on drugs and when things like, there was no way for me to talk to my mom and explain to her how I felt. Or like Leo or Sammy. They don't listen to you. So I just fucking put a chair there. And they just couldn't get out and they just were banging there, begging me to let him out. And I was like, You stand and I would just tell him how I felt <laughs> Told that dude to fucking die. Told him about my mother, kids, like how it sucked that he was in there doing drugs with my mom. And I told my mom, same shit dude, like fuck you. And uh Yeah, but it felt so good. <laughs> I left that day because after a couple of hours, I just was like, I'm over this. I got up from kicked the chair over, left, grabbed my board. And they were probably so happy. They probably, I don't know if they pissed in there. Who fucking knows, dude. I remember mean, it's like hours. And uh, I got up and left. But I remember when I left, I was skiing away and I just felt like I took a backpack off. <laughs> like a backpack full of bricks, like fucking heavy bricks. Like talking, I gotta say how I felt. I just remember that. It felt good, I felt good. It was like empowering, it felt powerful. It felt like I had some control. A little control, but I'll take it. I skated that whole time though, in Bedford. I was on a mission, man. So at that time, like this, I met this skate shop, Solstice Skate Shop came into my life found out there was a skate shop in new bedford i'm living in new bedford so i found it out went to it and just like it was my first time ever seeing a real skate shop legit skate shop skater owned not in a mall just like a fucking skate shop it was on the second story above i think like it was a bookshop or something and i remember the windows my homie martin who was into graffiti at that time he did solstice with, like, flames on it. On the second story, the window facing the main road, you just seen solstice in big fucking fire letters. It was so sick, dude. And, it, yeah, it was a bookstore. It was right right next to a bookstore. I remember walking up these stairs all the time. At the top of the stairs, there was they would put their trash. They put the board boxes, which I didn't even realize. I don't even think I realized they were board boxes at the time. Cause I didn't even think about how the boards got to the shops. I was just like thinking about skateboarding (laughs) and like how cool this is. Like these people are indie, like something so simple, like skateboards and like fun art expression, like videos, music, just, it was just like young people that had a business and I like, to me, it didn't make sense. These people are gods, you know what I mean? And uh, I remember going up and these board boxes are outside the door and they had all these old shoes that were torn up and shit and boards and I used to just scavenge through there and take take shit because I never had money. I just wanted to skate all the time. I didn't have money. I did get jobs. Like I I, I remember I had a paper route in New Bedford where uh, it was in the projects though in the paper route so I was trying to get money from people in the projects. Once a week. I think it was like three bucks. Maybe five dollars or something. Chasing these people down. Going back four times a day. The old people always just paid up though. And it was cool. They would hide it on their porch. Like tell me a spot. And I could just. Bam. Um, That job didn't last though. Because I remember I had a chance to go on a skate trip or something. And I asked my brother to. To like cover it for me. And I I don't think he wanted to do it. So I think he just ditched the newspapers or something. (laughs) Oh shit. I can't even blame him dude. I don't know how I did it. It was so intimidating. But the money was nice. So I did have some money. I did dishwashing jobs too. I had multiple dishwashing jobs where I just cleaned dishes i don't mind that suck getting all wet for hours and like standing all day and like kind of back breaking it's hard work to wash dishes you know in a fast place fast-paced restaurant and just with emotions and fucked upness and just with life on top of you washing dishes is a hard job you know i had a couple of those jobs But I would just scour through this trash. This is... This was earlier, before the jobs. I would go through the the boxes and get shoes and boards. And it would just get me through. And I think they knew I was doing it. It was their trash. So I don't know how mad they'd be at it. But I met Jay. Jay is like one of the owners of Solstice. it was Jay Grandison. Um, Martin. I don't know how... Who really owned what or who came up with what. But... I just know the people that were involved. Ryan. Ryan Harrington. Um... There's a lot of people. Owen. I'm not going to remember everybody, but... I'll remember you all. Emmett. But I can't go through the whole list. But there's just this solstice crew. Crew of people. Nuno. Fuck yeah. So many people. And they're just young people. And they're part of the solstice crew. And I thought that was so sick. They're on the team. They're making skate videos. They have premieres. They're inviting skate teams by and doing demos. Um... They had a team that was like the coolest shit. The Solstice team. You want to ride for the Solstice team. Because they're the dudes, you know. I was sick, man. And they were cool to me. Fucking really cool to me. I think just because all I wanted to do was skate. So. (laughs) It was like my escape. I didn't have to deal with crazy people. Like all I could do was skate. Try to be happy, you know. To a fault. (laughs) Um. But yeah I love that place New Bedford It's like That's why it's so hard for me Cause like my mom was at her worst But then I'm Getting introduced to the fucking thing That saved my life You know what I mean And the, the community And the people And like Learning about all this shit For the first time Just like Creativity And passion And dedication And Cooperation And doing it together You know As a collection Um it was sick, man. It meant a lot to me. I'm trying to think where to go from here. I got sponsored. I remember, um... Uh, JV introduced me to Steve Rodriguez from Fibro. Because they did demos around here. And, uh... Jay, I think, helped link that up where I could get boards from Steve. I remember sending out sponsor me tapes. I remember finding a film or anyone with a camera. Like, let's film, 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 film. Let's spend... I was so excited to like film and try to do film a video part and show people what I could do. Cause like, to me, every trick was amazing. Like, I'm like, this is awesome. Like I've learned this and I could I'm watching, trying to get, I'm watching other people do it. I'm like, man, imagine if I could do it like that. Or like, imagine if I could be on that level, like watching videos and stuff and seeing how good and how controlled and graceful and like, or even just gnarly people are on skateboards and like, the expression, styles, all that stuff. I'm like, I, as a little kid, I'm, you're learning to skate, so you look awkward, you, you don't have your center of balance, like, my emotions are unchecked. I'm just a lanky kid. I was, I probably landed a thousand K flips in a row, but they didn't look the way I wanted them, you know what I mean? Could be anything like that, like a tray flip. I was like, I want that tray flip to look a certain way, like, like the way I know it should look. I couldn't tell you what it was, but I was like, if I do it enough, it's gonna look that way. And, uh, so I did that a lot, man. I got sponsored by FIRA. Steve Rodriguez, thank you so much. He's like a, like, a, like a father figure to me. For sure. Taught me a lot. Steve taught me a lot, man. Just by how he carried himself. And how he spoke to me. He didn't preach or nothing. I'm guilty of preaching a lot to all the people around me. I know that shit gets annoying. It's hard, though. I like, I like to talk, obviously fucking podcast right but Steve just like the way he spoke and carried himself was like he demanded respect you know so I, I owe that man a lot he took me from the projects to Japan literally sponsored me took me to Japan that was a trip leaving the states you know what I mean like fuck I don't even know if I knew like how big of a deal that was while it was happening I was just caught up in like over excitement I remember being hurt a lot too Cause I was overexcited and I like wanted, I'm just like, I would just get overexcited, too excited. So I never do that good in contests either. I'm too excited. Just like skate too hard, too fast. Like I used to do that all the time or skate too much. Not like not rest enough. So I'd always be injured. That's like the real thing. It would be something that could heal, you know, but I just keep it going. Cause I didn't let it rest. That happens in my thoughts too as well. I think a lot of us. Not just me, uh, But I can really only speak for my life like I've been saying this a lot, it's important to know our narratives. To t- to to have this experience in life right now, it has to be a first hand experience. And you should be able to tell your story. Like we have to narrate our own stories. We don't have to, but I enjoy it. There's something about it, understanding it as you go along and learning and like and like it's nice to have um, to tell your story It's nice to be able to tell your story about your life Because you're, you're the one who feels it And experiences it So if you find the words you should use them Everyone I just feel it's really important for us To narrate our, our own stories of our lives Maybe film it, show it I don't know, to me that seems amazing We have this technology And uh, everyone's story is different Or unique or, or they're the same and you can relate For real, like Talking has helped me learn that there's other people out there that's been in crazy shit like me. Or meeting people that come from good family or meeting a good father or seeing, like, the heights that people can reach in class. And I don't mean, like, separation of class, but I just mean, like, being classy, having characters, quality, having, like, um, characteristics, strong ones and understanding them and building that through generation to generation and passing it down and being survivors and uh and to move past that transcend those and have the next generation be better off and just meeting people that have done that and been there and people on the opposite in the bottom like i've been at the bottom i know how it feels to be the worst and to hate things like hate life i've hated life i've been resentful at life and not want to and not be here been fully depressed for long portions of my life. Um, Fibro. And then I got a chance to ride for Birdhouse. Which is owned by Tony Hawk. And his legendary skateboard company. Had like Jim Greco and Andrew Reynolds on it at the time. Who else was on Birdhouse? Was Jim Greco on Birdhouse? I feel like he was for some reason. But just seeing like. The end was like a gnarly video. Jeff Linosi. It was sick dude. Birdhouse was a sick video uh video and Brandon and Tony Hawk obviously like god damn he's so sick and uh Donnie Barley was riding for them at the time and he hit me up and was like hey they're looking for an end and he had me in mind, Donnie had me in mind. Good looks Donnie For real dude. I don't know you at I don't I don't know why you picked me or whatever but for real. Fucking sick. I gotta go to Birdhouse. I moved to California I had to leave my family But seriously, my family was all over the place. Sammy was living with my sister Heidi at that time. Because Heidi had her shit together. Because she was living with another family. so She had a chance to get her shit together. My father had social security money. Or, I'm sorry. We had social security money coming in because my father's death. So, my sister would get that money. And she would pay the bills. I lived with her for a while. Sammy and I were living with her. Leah... I'm not sure where Leah was. Leah might have been on her own at this time. We're a little we're older at this point. It's like eighteen for me. She's a little older. Um. But yeah, so I had a chance to move to California. Got a birdhouse apartment. It was like me, Sean Eaton, Matt Ball, Brandon Westgate, Seamus Deegan. I don't know who I'm missing. John Goman. It was sick, dude. We had a sick crew at Birdhouse, for sure. And Susky. And we just had a skater house, though. It was wild. others in Long Beach. This is like... I mean, I went to Long Beach recently, and theres they got Cherry Park popping. It's like a full skate spot. This is uh earlier than that, you know? Like I don't even think Cherry Park had a skate park then. It was just mm-hmm. we skated around the streets and shit. I remember going to Westminster Skate Park a lot. Uh, met Brian Sumner. Sumner let me live with him actually. Brian Sumner uh, let me live with him for the first month or two that I got to Cali because it wasn't situated just yet. And that was cool, man. Cause Brian Brian's quite the individual, and uh, he's a unique individual, which is breath uh, which is fresh, which is nice, a breath of fresh air, you know. Uh, he's from England as well, so he had a sick accent, and. Uh, He's very honest and open too. I liked Brian a lot. He was super cool to me, and he let me live with him for a little bit, which was sick. And I was tripping because these dudes are the dudes I seen in videos. You know what I mean? Like, they, Brian wasn't even really real to me. He was like a action figure, I guess. And he kind of like he dressed a certain way, and he like kept his hair a certain way, and he had like a certain image. You know? He like had it. It was like a product almost. Like, Brian was a great product. And I don't mean this in an insulting way at all. Um, It's just the heights that skating reached in California. Like, people were aware that people were watching them in their skating and their careers. And they just took control and was like, oh, I want to have a certain image or a certain style with this. And Sumner had his look, you know, the thing he liked. And uh, I liked it. I thought it was awesome. His accent was so cool. It's funny because... I would, I have a problem, like, I end up talking like people, if I hang out with them long enough, I just, like, pick up their manner, the way they speak, and, uh, maybe because I'm, like, listening to them more than whatever, like, somewhere I used to listen to him talk all the time, because it sounded so sick, and I would end up talking like that to them, he called me out one day, he's like, are you talking like me? I'm like, not on purpose, man, like, I've just been hanging out with you too much, I'm just, like, saying it back, like, that happens in Massachusetts too, like to me, like if I, there's like a certain Massachusetts mass whole way of speaking, you know, he's you like a fucking mechanic, pack the car bullshit. I, I have a hard time even doing it now, but when I'm really mad and angry, I can it comes out super bad. Or if I'm drunk, if I drink too much, although I don't really do that that much anymore these days. I drink, but I don't, I haven't got drunk, drunk, drunk in a while. I um, smoke a lot of weed though, to be honest. Not not like too much, but more than I used to. It's legal, and I don't feel like you know. Um, but I know moderation in all things. I know that for fucking sure. So I want to be able to do it all and be healthy and happy, coherent, be present in this moment and just enjoy it. So I, I know moderation for sure. If I go too heavy one way, I'll I'll balance it out by going the other way. I don't like to be stuck. In one way, too much, like one perception. If that's the right word, I don't know. But, um yeah, so I gotta travel. I gotta travel with Tony Hawk. That was so sick, man. I went around the world. We went to Portugal and Spain, and we did the Gumball 3000 rally where you, like, millionaires take their cars through Spain, through Europe, and they go party to party to party. I met that dude, Adrian Bro. What's his name? No. Adrian Brody, maybe, from for the pianist. He's got, like, the act to do with the nose. Um, and I just, like, we're, we were on Tony Hawk's, like, entourage, basically, which was sick, man. It was just cool. I went to... I remember going to a demo for Raytheon. Missile... I believe they're missile defense. They, they make missiles for the United States Army. And uh, we did a demo... Tony Hawk and the Birdhouse Team flew in on like little sing- single-engine planes to the to the camp where the families or somewhere in California, where the families of the of the the soldiers basically lived. And we put on a skate demo for them, and that was so cool. We got paid just to be there. I think we got paid like each got paid like fifteen hundred bucks just to go this day fly in. Oh, we checked out all the missiles too. I remember how crazy that was. There was like missiles. Which makes me fucking sad. But there's like missiles with cameras in the tips. And you can like drive them like video games. And like. I mean the technology is amazing. It's just a misuse of power and force. Um. I can't get into that right now. Um. And I'm not condemning it either. I'm just saying like. Can't get into that whole politics. And power struggle. And violence. And genocide. That whole fucking thing is a lot right now. But um trying to stick to the point with my story. It was awesome. I I do demos, that was crazy. Jeremy meeting Jeremy Klein was crazy. He was a fucking asshole. <laughs> Sorry Jeremy. I fucking love that guy. His style, the way he skates, like his personality, the video games, the art. Like goddamn. But he was such a dick to me. <laughs> Which makes me like him more. Is that weird? Because I was like a kooky kid. I was overexcited, kind of rigid. This guy's this like creative, awesome person. He's kind of an asshole. (laughs) He was nice to me. I'm not trying to like, but I just remember that's like my experience, you know? But I was always hyped on Jeremy Klein. (laughs) It's funny because like, I didn't really even know his history. Like people love Jeremy Klein, you know, like I don't even know any of that really. I just know he, that what I saw, which was like hookups and doing all the art stuff and seeing his house with all the video games he collects and like, um, and then I did watch the video parts. I always go back and watch video parts and see him and like, and I did see him in videos and I knew the name and all that, you know, it was pretty sick. Like, but yeah, it. I don't know just shit like that it was really cool it was my first time seeing how boards like people used illustrator and photoshop and how they had, people had offices and sales and like just seeing a skateboard company in a building there's other brands in there too it's called blitz distribution i don't know if they're still around but it was like birdhouse baker um, just live i think was out of there there's a few brands hookups um and it was guy Pear Willander. He was running Blitz at that time, so it was cool, man. I just got to see like what, how people did it, how people were like built the offices, had the offices, had all the pieces to make the brand work, how to travel and demos, and uh, I got to go to Tony Hawk's house, skate a skate park, and just meet his family. And uh, yeah, it was so cool, man. It was quite the experience, and it's of Donnie Barley. So thank you, Donnie. I don't know why you picked me or whatever reached out, but for whatever reason, dude, thank you so much because that was amazing. And then I had a chance to ride for New York, um, which was meant to go back home because I was living in Cali, and I don't know, I missed the people. It's fucked up. as like I don't mean to talk bad about anybody back here or my family. I, I'm not trying to do that at all because I deeply love everyone out here. Even the people in the projects and the ugly people that, like, we all have issues. I know we're, we're all broken, you know? Like, I know we've hurt each other again and again. Like, I miss them. I miss these people. I worried about them constantly. The whole time I was in Cali, like, my mom would be calling me or my sister and they'd be, like, freaking out, crying. And, like, the, the fucking wheels had fell off the car, basically, you know? Like, those moments in life. Like where's mom? Fucking this happened, this happened. Where's Leah? She got hit in the head with a fucking lead pipe and has staples in her head. That type of shit. Where you're like, what? And I have, I'm just like, in. So it was hard for me to like keep my emotions in my thoughts. I couldn't even call home after a while because I'm like, it's always something horrible. It's never good news. My family became comfortable with like relating on that shit, you know. And then. I just wasn't comfortable with relating on bad shit and trauma all the time. Like, I, that's not how I talk to people. I don't want to, like, revel in pain together. Like, misery loves company type shit. So it was even harder for me to call home, you know? And now every time I did, it's crazy. So I was just like, I got to go home. And I got a chance to ride for New York. My homie Seamus Deegan. What up, Seamus? We've had our ups and downs, man, but I miss you, man. I hope you're healthy and happy. And uh I know you are. You work hard. And I know your heart's good, man. So I'm not worried. But I just want to say hi. And uh he worked out a deal for me, Seamus. I mean, yeah, Seamus would move from Birdhouse because he is team manager to New York. So he'd be the team manager of New York. It'd be me, Susky, Brandon Westgate coming over from Birdhouse to New York. And we did that. And we're all getting a, getting a paycheck. And riding for New York And New York traveled a lot They had video vlogs RBU Mally, what up homie Great filmer Great editor, been doing it for a long fucking time And uh Just years deep Of video, they called them podcasts Video podcasts, which is funny I think of that now Um But yeah, so we went and did that, we traveled the world Man, that was weird, that was a weird experience I'm not gonna lie Cause like. My homie Zared. Was skating for them at the time. Um, Zared's from Cape Cod. Mass. Chatham. Uh, we knew each other prior. You know Skaters Island Days and what not. Um, Donnie. Oh yeah Donnie too. Donnie went. Maybe that was another Donnie connection. I don't know. Donnie. So we all went from, with Donnie. I guess. I don't even remember him. Sorry. But uh. Or Seamus worked it out with Donnie. I don't know. But we all end up on Z-York. Travel the world, dude. I remember we went all over the fucking place. Germany. Um, God, there's so many. China twice. The the video vlogs are up on out there with me and them. It's sick, man. But it was a weird dynamics because there was already a team on Z-York. And then, like, all these dudes came over. It was just a weird, like, confusion. I don't know. It it got weird on some of those trips. I remember like Zared and Westgate got into a fight. Like I don't even know what it was. I think it was just a lot of money and egos and alcohol and traveling all the time and just, I don't know. But it got crazy. Like Matt Miller was there, Ron Diley, me, KT the God. What up, Kevin? Kevin Taylor, uh, Forrest Kirby. What up, Forrest? Trying to get these guys on the podcast for sure. These guys are like legends to me as well. Forrest Kirby and KT... Kill it on their skateboard timeless classic such good style both of them, and they're so different, but I love it both Um, for Forrest was like one that really impressed me because He skated like Eric Costin. I had never seen anyone skate like Costin like control and just have that like can do anything on the skateboard like I seen it But I hadn't seen it. I don't know. I saw it in Forrest is what I'm saying. He could do everything switch regular so much control and finesse, like... seemed like he could just do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. He'd work for shit, don't get me wrong, but like... I don't know, he was just next level. From, to me, in my mind. And obviously, KT, the style. Just like, the trick selection. Just the style and flavor, like... too's nice. Ron Diley, too, killer. Oh, Chaz Ortiz. Yeah, that was a weird dynamic, too, because Chaz was like this little kid. I think they were paying him a shitload of money... And like, there's just always some weird, it was kind of uncomfortable, it never felt like home, I felt like there was, like, competition, and, like, I don't know. Now I in it was, I'm to fault, I'm sure I'm to blame, too, I talk too much, I say stupid shit, um, I'm competitive, or I was competitive at the time, I guess, more with myself, but, I don't know, I can get caught up in petty shit, I'm sure. Um, nothing in particular that I can really say that happened, but, I, I just know, like, it was a weird situation. I never felt right there. Although all these people I'm talking about are, like, my homies now. Like, good homies. I see them now. It's like, this is awesome. I'm to see them, you know? Uh, yeah, I met some really rad people from those New York trips and New York days. And seeing how to market and promote and how a brand did it on that level. And just seeing the heights, you know? Like, I don't know. They did the footwear thing, too, so I learned a lot about footwear. They yeah, had the Z-York footwear that I rode for as well. And just having, like, cardboard cutouts and fucking <laughs> shit in Macy's and, like... I don't know. It was quite the experience. I saved a lot of money those days, though. I always have a feeling the the bottom to fall fallout, right? So, save some money. <sighs> and then, I remember, towards the end of Z-York, basically feel like people are turning pro, and I just didn't have a chance to go pro. My homie Seamus, from what I remember, was like, he was like, yeah, you're going to be pro. You're the next pro. We're working on that. Like, it's going to happen. I think there was even an article. I did, like, everything they asked me to do. They're like, yeah, you got to have interviews and this, this, and this. Yeah, I do this, this, this. And, you know, just stacked for years. I did so much shit. I listened to everything anyone told me because I just wanted to, to like, Have a dream come true Like I've been dreaming since I was a little kid And I just wanted to work towards it I know that shit doesn't happen without work You know what I mean? Because a lot of times In certain businesses It's about being cool And having an image and who you know And I'm always dysfunctional and fucked up So it's hard for me to get to know people Because it's hard for me to open up to people Because I don't know It just was Or whatever it was Or maybe I opened up too much And I was the problem I don't know But But I got along with people who liked to work, basically. All the photographers and filmers were awesome because they liked to work. They liked to create. And I was kind of like that, you know? Like, I was very regimented. What I think Jamie Thomas would probably be like because people talk to him and I've heard stories and, like, he sounds like he's a workaholic and he, like, likes to move mountains, you know? And I want to try to do that because of my whole backstory and just... I don't know. Desperation, man. I always want security. So I work really fucking hard because I'm like, well, if the worst comes out, you know, I've been working this whole time. So that will carry me through. Because imagine if I was chilling and the bottom falls out and I wasn't preparing, wasn't working, wasn't striving, wasn't thriving. Like, I don't know. I I realize I work too much, though. (laughs) I'm a workaholic. I know. So I keep saying energy comes from rest. Energy comes from rest. Because I like to work myself to the bone And get no rest And then I have no energy And then you get sick and hurt So um, I did that on my skateboard Fucking hard Um, But yeah Amazing dude But I didn't end up getting a board with New York I think politics aside I think that's what it was Like they turned someone else pro I can't remember how it worked out To be honest It was like Or me and Chaz Ortiz maybe I don't know Chaz went pro I didn't I don't know I'm going to be honest with you, I cannot even fucking remember. But to me, it was like, you know what? I've done everything they've asked. And, like, I'm super proud of what I've done, you know? And created, and, like, the video parts and all the traveling. And, like, I was part of it, you know? I'm working towards it. And, uh, so it didn't work. But I think Seamus might have hit up the homies at World. I think that's how that worked out. Because my homie Charlie Thomas and RP Best. What up, guys? Fucking love you guys. They ended up reaching out to Seamus, because they were looking for a pro you know, like world at this time it had been bought and sold so many times, and it wasn't you know what world was, and people owned it and they were trying to figure it out, whoever owned it was trying to figure out how to run it like a business and make money, and they employed r p and Charlie, so they must have been doing the right thing, you know, like r p and Charlie are both fucking lifelong skateboarders who love skating and have it in their best interest world employed them, and they found me, which was a blessing. I think they reached out to Seamus, and they needed a pro. And they're like, yeah, tell Shedler. Like, the State of Mind part just dropped with New York. And I filmed, dude, fucking crazy thing is I had, I think I had, like, eight minutes of footage filming for State of Mind was New York. The whole time I was on New York, we were filming for the State of Mind video. And uh, I had so much footage coming from Birdhouse. So I think I had like... No, it might have been more than 8. It was like 12 minutes. And it got... So half of it went to the state of mind. And then RB didn't use the rest of it. And I had like a fucking full video part or whatever still. And more like... So I just started um, the original All I Need video. I was like, I still have all this footage from all over Europe. And all this gnarly shit. I'm like, we gotta use this. And I just started a video with my brother... And my closest friends that I skated with at home. And we skated all through Fall River, New Bedford, Taunton, um, all over. And that was the original All I Need video. We put that out when I rode for New York after State of Mind. And I had the money then, so I had a run of DVDs made and the trans world help promote the thing online and, like, uh we we sold through the videos which was amazing we th- sold a bunch of shirts it was so cool like all i need shirts it was so funny it was just like a skateboard it was a photo of a skateboard on its wheels in like a parking lot and that was it that's all it was and uh it was a six shirt it was white teeth and you can find it online somewhere and uh Hold on real quick I'll be right back Alright I'm back Sorry She was like My lady was like Washing dishes And I just hear the Banging in the background So Seeing if she can Wash them later Um Oh fuck I completely lost My train of thought But I was riding For New York And uh Wasn't getting a board So I guess World Industries Like I was That's where I was At RP and Charlie Good ass dudes man Um They gave me a board you know they're like, "Yeah, come to World, dude, we'll give you a board. We're revamping our skate team. Like, we got a budget. Like, we're going to be doing trips." Uh, at this time World Industries was I believe it was Ronson Lambert. What up, Bronson? Cody Davis. What up, Cody? Both those dudes are phenomenal skateboarders. I don't know if you've ever you should YouTube them or just look them up on the gram, Instagram or Facebook. Um amazing skateboarders love skateboarding both of them love skateboarding too which is pretty sick uh who else was on there timmy knuth what up timmy fucking insane skateboarder i actually have a podcast with him i have it on my desktop i have to just rig it up and put it out um it's been a little bit cause some crazy shit happened i'll get to it later towards the end i guess and uh timmy andrew cannon what up andrew andrew might have actually had a little bit of have getting me on world as well I think he might have said, RP and Charlie were talking to Andrew and I think Andrew might have mentioned me as well. Or either way, he was down and excited. Andrew is really excited about World. He loved World. Andrew Cannon has he loved Wet William Flame Boy. He got me like I don't know. He got me super sparked on Ryan for World. Um, yeah, Derek Fukahara. What up, Derek? Legendary dude, amazing skateboarder. Can't wait to have him back on the show for sure. Um I'm probably gonna miss out on some I'm gonna miss someone, I'm sorry. But World had a sick crew. Mendenhall, Matt Mendenhall ended up being around. Uh Billy Davenport. What up, Billy? Fuck me, right? <laughs> he used to always say that. Quick me up. I don't know if he still says it. <laughs> um. Yeah, World was sick, man. So I got like pro boards. That was a fucking trip. It happened like something I have been working for like my whole life. I was like, man, I just have a name on a board and be part of like the art and like just part of a team and you're the pro, you know? Um, it was cool man and I got a pro shoe from World as well cause they made footwear I remember people having people having problems with World having footwear now now you look at all the brands in skateboarding right now you still have a problem with a skateboard brand making shoes fuck out of here <laughs> that was the same thing with Z-York too It's like they didn't like that Z-York made shoes or skateboarders or whatever you know everybody wears fucking shoes you know what I mean like And if a skateboard brand could do it, like, why not? I guess because it's not skater-owned. New York wasn't skater-owned, I understand that. Neither is Nike, Converse, New Balance, Adidas, uh, Puma. And this isn't political, either. I like some of those brands, you know what I mean? Not all of them, (laughs) but I like some of them. They're not skater-owned, you know? I don't know. I always think about money coming in the skateboard. I'm like, if you, the money's going through skateboarding, that's awesome. If it goes to culture, skateboarding, if there's actually people that live it and love it are getting employed by these brands and making a living, like that's amazing to me. Shit, that's crazy going on with the, I don't want to get political. I'm trying to tell, like, this is supposed to be the self reflection podcast, so I don't want to do this right now. Um, but I'm not resentful at all. I think everything works out how it works out. We all we all play how we play and things work out for what the best, you know? I don't think it's it's skaters versus something skater owned, whatever. It's just the brand and the quality and the work ethic. And I know money on top of money makes it hard for people to compete. I understand that with the footwear stuff and all that. But with skateboarders being mad at skate brands making shoes, I don't know. Element tried to make shoes too. Habitat, remember? I don't even know if they still do huff makes shoes what up look high world makes shoes now i have a shoe with world right now they gave me another chance you know super hyped on that opportunity as well the shedler shoe what up sorry for the plug (laughs) but i don't know we made a certain run we made a small we're not a small run but like we made a good run but not all the sizes you know i think it's like eight through eleven and all the half sizes in between and we got to move through those. And I have a team. I hook dudes up with some shoes. I'm really excited because these dudes kill it. And I can't wait to see what they create with the shoes. Um, they're working on vlogs and videos and photos. And I want to do some trips. Uh, maybe have another skate shoe on the line. Because my shoe is the first shoe in the line. Like for the new revamped world skate shoe. It's the first one. And uh, these dudes are going to shred it. I'm excited, man. Um, got sidetracked. World Industries got a pro shoe in my first one. That was awesome. It was cool to like design, and see the see how a shoe is designed, and see how you the production works, and getting getting the samples back, and trying it on, and revising it, and just seeing it drawn out from just seeing it from the beginning to start, and learning how all that works is like such an amazing experience for me. And I learned through all these brands, all these skateboard companies I wrote for, I learned a lot about branding and about how people did it. And uh, more, I learned a lot about how not to do it or, like, where things didn't work and try to adjust. And, like, and, and uh, it takes a lot. You can't – you're always evolving and learning and growing and trying, even as a brand and, and maneuvering. It's, like, it's learning how to be in the ocean and float, basically. I just learned a lot from all these companies and a lot about relationships and how to run business and – how to communicate, and I learned a lot from all just like I was very coherent and aware of like what was going on. I've always wanted to have my own thing and build my own thing from the from the beginning. It was like that was something I always wanted to do that first hand experience that I was talking about, you know, like hands in the clay type thing where you're playing in the mud and figuring it out and building from there that was was in me too. And yeah, so the world was sick, but that came to an end, as all things do. The people that owned it, I don't know if the money, there's a million things that end brands sometimes, you know? Sometimes the people that own it, they lose money, or they just change direction because they're not making enough money, or someone gets fired so the whole skate team gets canned because the dude that was in charge is gone um sometimes it's just the way people talk to each other um, people think they can hire someone else that might do it different like for whatever reason there's a million ways uh, I'm not even really sure what happened with world I knew we were doing a great job though the marketing was on point we had a solid team we had fucking great product the shoes were crushing the boards obviously it's what it's the, the graphics were fire what up Dean Dean was doing all the graphics uh shit was amazing used to work at disney so like i know the quality and everything was there you know and and at the same time too i remember there's a weird thing with world people just it was hard to get them back into like shops and stuff people were on the fence because it had been bought and sold you know like um so yeah that first attempt didn't work and is what it is and we had to figure out what to do sink or swim type situation you know but luckily i was saving money so always, I was always saving money, so I had some money saved up, and I uh, put that into All I Need. Even then, we started in the recession, you know? But I had this chunk of change, uh, I don't even remember how much it was, it wasn't that much compared to like, I don't know, it was enough to get me off the ground, you know what I mean, to like trademark and own my brand, to start All I Need and just have it, and get the first run of stuff going. And just enough. It was, like, just enough. I, I love this saying. I heard it in a song. It was, like, I think it was a 50 saying. It like, I tightened my belt before I begged for help. <laughs> just meaning, like, to have grit. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, he's gonna earn the shit. Like, um. but it was just enough. Just enough to, like, get me going, man. I was fucking... And uh, I could have put it into my mortgage, which I should have, but I would just trust them. I was like, I'm going to trust my work ethic, and I'll start at the bottom. Like, whatever, whatever. I didn't, like, I only had dishwashing jobs, so I was prepared to go back to dishwashing. You know what I mean? If there's no jobs out there. And I I wasn't even aware, like, of the skills I had. (laughs) I knew I could, like, I could do Photoshop, Illustrator. Like, I have pretty decent communication skills, like... Um, I I had a lot of skills, but I wasn't aware of them because I didn't go to school and no one like told me that they were actual things, you know, like, I don't know. I just, all I was like, I dishwashed and I fucking skateboarded, you know, so I'm like, i out what I'm going to do, you know. I got a temp job, went to a temp agency and they got me a job bouncing tires. So 18 wheelers come in and they're just stacked with tires, crisscrossed all the way to the ceiling and someone's got to pull those tires down and climb up the tires, pull them down from the top, unravel them, bounce them, and roll these fucking massive tires, all different sizes, for hours. To another dude at the other end, who's stacking them in fours, stacking them in eights, and then a the forklift comes, take the tires. It was so brutal, man. I basically... They hire these temps to do all that work. And then the people that get the full-time jobs, they drive around on the forklifts and just put the pallets up on the shelf, And it's just like a revolving door, man. And uh, I worked there for a couple weeks, dude. I just did it day and day day. And like fucking gnarly. The dudes are like bouncing wheels at me all crazy. Like hitting me in the shins, knocking me over. Dude is like doing it twice as fast, like trying to fuck me up on purpose. I don't know if they're trying to get me to quit. But I don't quit apparently at things. <laughs> So I just kept doing it. They wanted me to go full time, but at this point, I liked smoking weed because I had vertigo for a while. When I, I got vertigo, when I was on World, couldn't like couldn't skate for months, man. It was like six months of my life, and I was nervous because the World money was gonna go. Because they say like in a contract, if you don't skate for six months, we can like change the contract, you know, like. And so I had vertigo, and then smoking weed helped it. Mike Franklin, what up, Frankie? Miss you, baby. Uh, he was like, smoke some weed. I tried everything. Doctors, fucking the needles, they stick in you. Um, steroids. Everything. They gave, they gave me everything. I tried it all and wouldn't get rid of the vertigo. It was gnarly. And I couldn't skate. And uh, so funny. And I wasn't smoking weed this whole time because I'm very cheap, I guess. or Not cheap, but um, it's a difference. See, I'm being careless with my words because I'm not cheap. Um, I just like to save. I pick pennies up off the ground because I value money. Because people go to war and die for money. That's what we think money defines who we are. You know what I mean? Like, so I pick pennies up. If that's where we're gonna say our life is worth, are those pennies? I'm picking those pennies up. That's what I am. I don't know. I don't know if that's cheap, but I don't like to spend money on. Like, I try not to spend money on stupid shit. Um, but there's times when you gotta spend money. You know? Like I learned that. You gotta spend it on things that are gonna help your business grow. You gotta spend it on um, things that'll make your life easier. You know, you gotta spend it on investments and things you love. Sometimes it's just joy and an experience um, with someone. You gotta spend money on that stuff. Like I've learned how to spend money, but right. I don't like to spend. I don't like to just like throw it around. So maybe that's why people or have, I have to think I don't know cheap, whatever. Regardless. Um. Yeah I don't even know where I was going I went off on a fucking side train there But I'm riding for World That ended That fell apart And I just had the money to start all I need And start with just Start getting some We started with t-shirts That's what it was I started getting some t-shirts going Actually I did it slightly before I I knew knew World was going to end So as I knew that was going I started the brand So I was still riding for World As I started all I need and we started with just t-shirts. And we sold a lot of shirts. I was surprised. We sold a good amount of shirts. That was awesome. I didn't have an expectation, you know? I just was like, if I could get one shop to back it and maybe carry something, that would be so cool. Jay, what up? Solstice carried it. And they sold some shirts for me. That was awesome. And then a couple more shops, skate shops, picked it up. All skate shops. Um, picked up the All I Need tees. And they, they actually did well, man. It was amazing to me. Um, it was cool, and then we moved on to boards. We got, I had a skate team the whole time. I picked like young dudes that I just liked, just just dudes that were like people that I saw skating that loved it, and I could tell they were just enjoying it. And they had, I don't know, I just there's certain people I see that I'm like I just wish I could give them the shirt off my back. So I like got those dudes, and I'm like let's do this, let's go on skate trips, and you know we've been doing that with all I need and doing skate trips and. Just trying to grow it and build it and like everyone works jobs and like, you know, everyone sacrifices and makes stuff happen, you know, like we hustle to find a way to make stuff happen so we can keep it moving forward and find opportunity. And if it's not there, we try to find a way to create it and we try to meet people and um, in the hopes that, you know, the inches add up, add up. And so we do that and it's amazing. Like we had our second video drop in the trenches. I'm so proud of that one, man we have the podcast going we got the new england Am. we we pulled off three years of the new england and the fourth is going to be next year that to me is crazy and i just we just released today um 2016 new england Am skate shop division video it's up on all i need skate right now uh crazy how many shops came how good people are do you watch that video man fucking people fucking kill it dude it's crazy. The New England AM happened because I saw that. I was like, skater's edge, the edge, in Taunton, Mass. I just saw people coming from all over, and there's so many good people, man. There's a skateboard community in New England and beyond. and I don't know. It's crazy when people come together, man. That's why I just created it. I'm like, I don't care about... I don't care. Let's just do it. There's too many good people to not throw this. We did all the divisions. 14 and under, 15 and over, and skate shop division. And this year we even had the snowman bowl, which was insane. And all of them, all the divisions, killers, people showed up. It was sick, man. Uh, Yeah, check that out. I'm really hyped on that. I think we posted on Instagram as well today. Um, Yeah, I guess we're in present day now. I'm sure I missed a million things, but it's too much, man. There's like a lot of sad, traumatic shit that I could bring up. I'm really trying to get past my past so I can be where i'm at and i'm trying not to worry too much about the future i I think about the future but i'm trying not to stress and unnecessary worry you know like deal with the present moments and what i can control and be optimistic about the future and cautious a little cautious always can't um so yeah and i just put out two vlogs like i was saying in the beginning of the show and in my second vlog Um, I talk about my mom's thing, it happened, literally happened while I was driving back from the skate park, I get the phone call, and, uh, yeah, it was like my sister, and she, uh, but I didn't know it was my sister, I thought it was my niece, because my sister sounds like her daughter, you know, so I get a phone call, they call me a couple times while, while I'm filming in the skate park, I was filming with Gavin Nolan, what up man, Gavin McNolan. Um at the edge and I, my phone kept ringing I just let, let it go it was my nana I was like oh she probably just calling and say hi I'll call her when I get out of here then my sister hi- Heidi and then what I thought was my niece and I finally went outside I'm like I gotta check this out my phone phone's blowing up and uh I pick it up and it's my you know and they call and I think it's my niece and but it's really my sister and she's like mom's dead and I'm like this is a couple days ago like we're in present time now this is a couple days ago and uh I think it's my niece, so I'm like, what, my sister? Like, what, what? And then the fucking phone cuts out. And I'm fucking in the parking lot, and I'm just like... I'm in that Finding Dory moment again, where... There's no... The phone... I'm trying to call back, and I'm panicking, and I'm I'm like... The world has fucking fallen out, you know? And there's nothing. It's just lasting. This moment's lasting far too long. And it's fucking silent. And I'm panicking. I finally get a hold of my sister... And, she, and she's like She's like no it's me Heidi Mom just died Or she's dead she's like screaming at me And I'm like oh my god like what are you talking about And this is crazy cause like my mom As I was talking about her in the beginning She lived a crazy life man bad things happened to her She made a lot of mistakes You know but she's just a survivor And she was still trying She was like working on finding a way to like Be happy and make it in this life And uh she made a deal with her, her, um, with her cousin, was that he, she would take care of him, you know, and they'd have life insurance, and that because he was he he had issues, I believe he served, and he had issues, and he wasn't gonna live long, and they made a deal that she would watch him and take care of him until he goes. There's a life insurance, and he passed. Uh, I don't remember what it was. It was like something of the liver. You know, and he passed, and my mom had just came up on like 150 grand, and she was gonna, she just like, she called me crying one day, and she was like, scared. She's like, I'm gonna lose my disability, my section. It took me 20 years. She said it took her 20 years to get Section 8, and so I'm like trying to talk my mom down. I'm like, look, 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 because I'm trying to figure it out, you know. And I'm in my head, I'm freaking out too. I'm like, I don't fucking know, like maybe you know what i mean like 150 grand sounds like a lot of money but really it's like how do you like it's she can't work she's been disab- on disability she broke her fucking leg and all this shit and always walks with a limp and like mentally she had been five kids drug abuse like mentally there's no way she could like hold the job down like it was far too gone for that and uh I'm like, yeah. You could go through 150 grand quick, and you're not going to have work. Like, you're not going to be able to work. Like, so like, I'm freaking out. But her and my sister were like, my sister was like, yeah, let's move to Maine and buy some property with the money. That was my mom's like things she came up with. Like, I'm going to buy some, buy a piece of property in Maine because her mother did that. My nana, what's up, nana? When the kids go up to the house in Maine, you know, once a year. Some of them can make it. Can Not everyone always makes it. Sometimes it, in the younger days, there's fights and crazy shit. But, like, that's, like, the spot. My nana and Bill, my, my grandpa Bill, they have, like, their plots up there and all that. So I've been going there for years. And I missed years, too. You know, I didn't go certain years. But so my mom wanted to basically have that. So she had a chance. And My sister and her literally signed papers on a house. And then that call comes and it's like, mom's dead. Like after, like, and that's what I've been dealing with recently. And I'm like, emotionally, like, I'm just like, at the, I just wanted to have a, te- I just wanted to testify the day. That's why I recorded this. Cause it's just, I, I want to get that backpack of bricks off, you know? Like when I was younger, when my, I locked my mom in the basement with Lionel or whatever the fuck his name was, just being able to talk. And get it all out And say it out loud So that's what today is all about And I don't know But yeah so This is like my Christmas What's today right now? It's December 27th And this happened like a few days ago And I don't know I'm still fucked up I like cried more than I ever cried We had to go to the funeral and see And I saw my mom Like passed away And, like, all my sisters and brothers, everyone made it. I was, like, super proud of that. My sister Heidi, Patty, Leah, Sammy was there. My aunt Tina was there. That was amazing. Uh, It was just, like, a full house, man. It was sick. Patty. It meant a lot to me that everyone. Jade was there. Devontae. My niece and nephew. And Aubrey. Like, I saw them after. It was just It was awesome that everyone came together to, like, try to resolve this and figure this out meant a lot to me. Cause like it's hard. It's hard. We're we're all over the place, you know. Same my brother flew out from Australia. He's helping out fucking more than you know with this whole situation, man. My brother's like I'm liking all of my brothers. Like I don't know. I'm amazed at how he turned out. Like he's just like he's calm, cool, and he's got it, you know? He's he's what We need to be, you know. Um, I don't know. I think I'm done. But I just want to say thank you for being part of this whole fucking podcast. And I'm going to keep going with this podcast because it's awesome. It's, It's been life changing. It's been a healthy outlet. It's helped me. This show, you guys, all the feedback. Just everything has helped me out. In my personal life a lot. And i fucking appreciate it. So I'm going to keep going with this. And uh, also if you want to check it all out man. I've been filming now. So once a week I'm putting the vlog out. All I need on YouTube. Type in that all I need life with Anthony Shetler. And there's more popping up. There's also that all I need life with Evan Lolo. <laughs> and there's going to be more Kevin Clem. Hopefully Billy Drowned, Corey Goonan, Jacob Hammond, Dash, my lady Dash might have a vlog as well. I did it all on our phones. I can do it all on my phone. I have the storage. There's apps. You can edit it. I don't know. It's amazing to me. And I just want to get all the people that know and care and about all I need and know what it's all about to be a part of it. And I figure we can all kind of define what it means, you know together that all I need life so that's coming man and I I post all the stuff on allineedskate.com as well but if you subscribe to the YouTube channel that'd be amazing um you're already on the podcast so thank you our boards are out there which is fucking I'm so hyped on what we've done with and what we've created Peter James Glenn has drawn hand-drawn original ideas and created some amazing graphics on our decks it's been it's been a trip, man, and we have more coming. In the apparel, I make the apparel right here in Taunton, Mass. Um, we do all the screen printing and embroidery. Um, I know because I work there. It's a warehouse space, like I ha- hands-on, man, as close to it as you can be. Um, and I'm proud of all the apparel we made. It's it's a trip learning all that, and just the, we have some really sick shit. I, I just in the vlog you'll see we made the coach jacket, in the trenches coat jacket. I'm really psyched on, um I have to grab one for myself what I, what happens is I do small runs and then they go, you know, and as they go, sometimes I forget to grab something for myself, you know, so all the stuff is like in small runs, so uh yeah, check it all out. Thank you guys for everything um, I don't know till next time, guys. sorry for rambling uh peace. <sighs> You're in the podcast now Um, Last thing before we go I just want to thank the sponsors Thank you to Bear Mattress For supporting the show If you're going to cop a mattress Energy comes from rest If you're going to cop one uh, Go to bearmattress.com Use the promo code SKATE50 And you'll get $50 off Also thank you to World Industries For supporting the show Uh, We have 15 new stickers on the online store Classic World stickers Uh, The Shetler shoe is on there as well uh, yeah, and don't forget at World Industries on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And last but not least, thank you to All I Need Skateboarding. Peace.